How many things are we missing out on because we think we already know who we are, because we think we already know what we're here to do, what we're here to be. We've already decided what God has for us. We're already deciding when we want to get married, who we're going to get married to, how it's supposed to look, what our relationship is supposed to look like. And what if God is like, actually, there's all these parts of you, all of these doors over here that you haven't even opened because you keep showing up in the same environment and you keep doing the same things. What I want most for women everywhere is to stop playing small and step into your unique power so you can finally show up as the fullest, biggest, and truest version of you. But that requires that you first get crystal clear about who you are and then let go of everything that you're not. I'm here to teach you how to know yourself, trust yourself, and honor yourself so you can create a deeply aligned, deeply empowered, and deeply inspiring life. You know, the one you were actually sent here to have. Come on, let me show you how. Okay, so today is all about my lost and found Marrakesh retreats because I have realized that since I started this second iteration of my podcast during the pandemic, We've never had a conversation about it because there's been nowhere to go. But now that things are kind of opening up, you know, restrictions are dropping, people are vaxxed and waxed, boosted and goosted, I could say. I don't know what's going to rhyme with that, but you get me. They're boosted and goosted and waxed and vaxxed. It's time to hit the road. It's time to hit the world again. And so I have for the spring, my two Lost and Found Marrakesh retreats are coming up. One is in May 11th through 17th, and the second one is from June 3rd through 11th, of course, this year, 2022. And so since those dates are coming up, I wanted to talk about how all of this came to be. Like one of the questions that people always ask me, I was interviewed on a podcast last week, and one of the questions that came up, which often does, is why Morocco? Like why you keep going back there? And I've been hosting retreats in Morocco since 20, let's see what, since 2016. and so. You keep going back there. What is it about Morocco? And as I was thinking about the question, something in the shower yesterday, I was kind of thinking about her asking the question and it made me think in order to really answer the question about why Morocco is so amazing, you really have to ask how Morocco, like how did this come to be? And this, of course, charts all the way back to my trip to Turkey, which I know that I've spoken about. Me going to Turkey back in, I think it was 2015, And just the whole experience, you know, seeing them post about, I was going to a spiritual center at the time and seeing them post about doing a trip. It was like multiple cities and stuff and this long trip to to Istanbul, Turkey. And I still remember standing in the little like entryway of the spiritual center and seeing the flyer on the cork board. And I'm like, huh, look at this. I think there was a whirling dervish on the flyer. And I'm like, this looks fucking cool. I want to, you know, I want to know about this. So I pulled it down and took it home and started researching. And for the longest time, I was kind of mulling over, you know, did I want to go? And over the months, a couple of things, I was kind of like, well, the demographic was a bit older. I also was afraid that I was going to be the only black person, the only black woman, and then probably the youngest person. There were just things where it kind of ended up feeling like, "Uh, I don't know that this is the best fit. But in the process of me exploring the opportunity and like even, you know, should I go on this trip or hmm, what does this look like? 
I started to realize like, oh, this could really be doable. And I ended up, I remember like the middle of the night, I was back and forth about whether or not I was going to go. I had been seeing tickets, but they were like $2,000. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I should do that on top of everything else. And so one night in the middle of the night, I ended up getting out of bed. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Something woke me up and I was like, you need to go in there and check the flights. And I found a flight for like $750. That was the cheapest I had seen it. And I booked the shit and I'm like, oh, wow, you're going to Turkey. Like this is really happening. I'm it's pitch black in my office, middle of the night. I had looked at it and kind of been going back and forth, but then I decide, no, this is it. You're pulling the trigger. And so I talk about getting to Turkey. And one of the first big things I always remember is standing on that curb thinking, Deka, what the fuck have you done? Because I didn't order a car when I got there and I had the address to where I was going. So I'm waiting in the queue for the taxi and it's a lot going on. You know, I don't speak Turkish. I've never been to Turkey before. I had traveled before I had traveled with my parents and my parents have traveled extensively and traveled with friends. I had traveled even internationally, but I had never traveled internationally alone before. So this was a really big thing for me. And I remember just thinking like, oh, you're in over your head. You need to go home. But the beautiful thing was, and this is where sometimes it's like God saves us in the ways that we don't always realize because I don't have the money to go back in the airport right now and buy a ticket and get home. That shit's going to be thousands of dollars and you can't afford that. You made the decision. You're out here. Really, the only way out is through. You want to go back home? You're going to have to spend the rest of your 10 days here or whatever. So I do that and I ended up getting an Airbnb in a local neighborhood and it was like $17 a night, a little studio. And I remember there was a, the shop owner, the person who kind of owned my apartment also owned a shop downstairs. And he and I are actually still cool to this day. You know, every day I would go out and explore the city and I would come back and he and I would talk. And, you know, of course, my thing is always like having deep, intimate conversations. Like I want to connect with people and find out about their lives. Like I don't want to do small talk. Like I want to talk about the things that you didn't expect to happen. And I want to talk about the joys of your life. And I want to talk about the things that you're kind of thinking about that you don't say, because you don't know if it's appropriate for you to say it in this environment. Deka's the environment. Tell me, talk to me. I'm the person who loves shit like that. So he and I would talk and I would kind of wrap up my days. You know, he always wanted to know what did I do today? Where did I go? And I would come in. He was a younger guy too. And we would come in and talk to him. And he had actually lost his mother recently. And so he at the time was like, you know, just really struggling with kind of, he wasn't suicidal, but he was definitely struggling with like, I'm just fucking out here. Like, I have no purpose. Everything fucking sucks. You know, it was just a gray cloud. And so when I'm like this black American girl, he didn't know me from Adam and we're just sitting there kind of conversing. And so it was really cool to see me build a whole experience over these 10 days in Istanbul. And when I say see me, I mean to experience myself because I'm in my body, right? So to experience and witness myself finding and navigating my way. So I'm not staying at the Marriott. I wasn't staying at the Intercontinental or some hotel brand. I was staying in an apartment in a local neighborhood. And so I'm walking my black ass up the street. And I love to walk in neighborhoods when I'm traveling because this is how I kind of get a feel for the city. And I want to see the signs and I want to see the different type of cars that people have. Like, oh, they have different brands here that I've never heard of in the country. And I want to see the little convenience store and I want to see what types of things do they sell and, you know, what types of candies do they have? I'm curious because these are the ways that I know we get to learn about a culture. And so as I'm navigating and 
looking at maps and just kind of figuring out. And of course, I would talk to him, but, you know, being able to figure out how to navigate the cities and getting to certain areas and the things that I wanted to do. I didn't have a tour guide there. And I didn't even realize this probably until years after I came home. I probably didn't start to realize it until after having had a couple years in Morocco, but like it still unfolds to me how fucking bold it was for me to go there. And I took a food tour. I did a tour. I did like an evening cruise on the Bosphorus Strait and I did Basilica Cistern and went to the mosque and did little individual museum tours, but I navigated the city on my own. Nobody was coming to pick me up. Nobody helped me navigate through. And that experience in Istanbul was so profound because one of the things that I learned there, probably the biggest lesson was how fucking capable I am. It was in Istanbul that I realized you are capable of so much more than you realize. And it's not because you're second guessing yourself. It's just because you're living this life in America where you don't get a chance to experience these things. You would never be somewhere where you're not speaking the language and, you know, your phone doesn't connect to Wi-Fi because it's $3 a minute or something insane. So you've turned your data off where you don't know anybody. If you get into a bind, you don't have a friend to call. I've talked about one of the early days I was walking up the street and somebody slapped me on my ass. These two guys are walking by and he slapped me on my ass. And it's like, I turn around and I want to be like, who the fuck do you think you're? And I'm getting ready to go Deka and I don't have the language. I don't speak the language. So, I mean, of course they can tell from the body language or whatever, but me also realizing, yeah, there's not a lot that you can do about this here. And also to remember too, because people will say, oh, is it safe? And is that okay? Well, it's not like people haven't disrespected me in my home country. It's not like they haven't disrespected me in my home city. So also being mindful that like, well, are you really unsafe or is this a bad experience with one man? And let's not paint make this about all Turkish people or all people in Istanbul. And so again, just really cool to have gone from, hmm, I think I want to go on this trip. I don't know. Something is calling me here. And from the beginning, before I left, before I got the ticket, before I decided to go, I knew that something was calling me to this place. And it just didn't make any sense because Turkey had never been on my radar before. Istanbul had never been on my radar before. I was the person in college who, which is so crazy now to think about it, but I was the person in college who didn't want to study abroad because I didn't want to miss homecoming in the fall. And I didn't want to miss my friends graduating in the spring I just couldn't bear to be away from Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, I'll go somewhere at some point in time, but I don't want to do that. And then to, again, fast forward and I've dropped myself off on the other side of the world in this place where you really don't know anything about it. All you know is something keeps nagging you, telling you you need to go and you do. And so it was there in Turkey where, again, I learned like, no, you're really fucking good with directions, Deka. It was in Turkey where I learned like, no, this isn't just you like to talk to your friends or you like to, you love learning about language. You love learning about culture. You love sitting down and talking to Onad every day after being out and you love learning about the different teas and how things are made. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love to watch the process and I want to know about the history and the story behind it. I remember taking the food tour and it's really cool because Turkey is a place that actually spans two continents. Part of it is in Asia and part of it is in Europe. And so it's like, oh, you're in Istanbul and you're going to go over to the Asian side. And so part of the food tour, we ended up doing that. And I remember on the tour, at some point there was like lamb intestines or lamb brain or something. It was some lamb organ 
That is not something I have ever had before. I didn't even know they were serving it up. But one of the ways that I had told myself my intention that I wanted to travel was to be open, come out here. And this is a once in a lifetime experience. Even if you come back to Turkey again, you will never be this version of Deka ever, ever again. So when you go there, Deka, be open, try things. And so I remember being on the tour and, you know, she serves it up on the plate. When I tell you that was the most delicious lamb, whatever, I don't think it was intestines. I think it was like brain or something. That shit was so fucking delicious. I remember her being like, Deka, don't eat it all because we're still going other places. And so that's one of the moments too that like burns in my mind of why I'm constantly saying, you know, and this is my tagline with the retreats, letting go of who we are so we can open up to who we can become. Because if you go off of what you don't eat at home and what you don't like at home and what you think you already know about yourself, that becomes the problem. We end up living these very routine lives that are full of comfort zones and we're never kind of pushing the edges of our boundaries because we've already decided that we know everything that there is to know about ourselves. And if we're going to expand, we're only going to expand in the ways that we've decided that we want to expand and the things we're comfortable with doing. But it was in Turkey that I found that like, there are other things that God has for you beyond what you know. Are you going to be open to go meet them? Or are you going to keep telling the story about what you don't like? Okay, so what if you don't eat this thing at home, but you love it here? Will I ever eat it again? I don't even remember what it was, as you see. So it's like, I'm not going to make it at home. But it just showed me there are things out there that may sound unappealing to you, that may go against everything you normally eat. Are you open to find out a new part of yourself? And being in Turkey constantly helped me meet these parts of Deka that I said I've never got to experience at home because I'm in a very comfortable environment. I go to my Whole Foods, I go to Sprouts, I go to Publix and get what I need. And, you know, I listen to this music and I know how to drive this route and I know how to go the backup route and I have my own car. And if I get into trouble, I can call this person and I have a amazing command of the language and I can have the deepest conversations ever. Okay, but then what does that look like when you're having a deep conversation sitting with somebody in sorrow and there are a couple of words you guys are stumbling over because he doesn't speak your language and you don't speak his language? You know, you learn more about yourself on those moments. I learn more about how adept I am about of communicating or how compassionate I am or we're like, you know, trying to use Google Translate and trying to pull up photos and different things to talk each other through the language. And so as I was going through this trip and experience, I was documenting it on social media and it started with Turkey. Turkey ended up turning into me coming back and booking a cross-country Amtrak trip. So I went from DC to California on a train. I wanted the sleeper car. I wanted the whole experience of like being on a train. And I went in December, so it was winter time and being in going through the mountains in Colorado and the train tracks are like curving around these big mountains that are literally covered with snow. And it's almost like if there was a window that opened, I could reach out and touch it. And I wanted that experience of like laying in bed, bundled up in my little sleeper car, watching the world go by because I'm fascinated with old movies and when they used to like, you know, have sleeper cars on trains for musicals and all kind of shit. So I did that. And then the day that I got back from my Amtrak trip to California, I stayed in California for a while and then I ended up flying back. And then that day I ended up seeing a ticket come up to Bali for $850 on Delta. And it just so happened that I had a $550 Delta voucher. So I booked a three-week trip to Bali just shortly after my birthday, like a couple months later. 
And that was another place where, again, kind of traveled around. There's a woman that I stayed with in Sanor that to this day, I consider her to be like one of my spiritual mentors. The connections that I made with people there, the experiences that I had, the things that I did, I was constantly just sharing how I traveled. And I didn't have a travel philosophy before this, but it's literally like I'm out in the world and building it as I go. And even jumping back to Turkey, I remember coming out of the mosque and people were handing their children to me. You know, I'm like, why is everybody staring and what's going on? And it's like, oh, you have to remember some of these people have never seen a black person in real life, in their life. And that may sound crazy to you. It may seem odd. But again, your response to that statement tells me how sheltered you are in your life. Yeah, a lot of people have never seen a Black American before. A lot of people have never seen a Black person in real life, all of these different things. And so me remembering like some of the things that you think about people staring and some of these ideas that I have and racism, and I'm by no means saying that it doesn't exist overseas because it absolutely does. But just knowing that we can't stay to the same narratives that I do when I'm at home. And so it's interesting, like I said, people are handing me their babies and taking photos. And so I always say, like, I'm probably in random people's Facebook photos to this day because it started with one person kind of pulling me into their photo and then another person and then other people telling their kids to come stand next to me. And I'm kind of like, okay, this is really wild. Again, this is an experience I would never have in my daily life. And I remember being in Turkey and going to the place that's like the oldest place to get baklava, most well-known place for baklava and sitting down with my little sampler. I got a bunch of different things that I wanted to try. And I love, I've always loved baklava since growing up and sitting on a bench while the water is lapping up over the edges. I don't know if you call it a seawall or whatever it is from the Bosphorus Strait. And I'm just like, you are in Turkey. You're on another continent. You're in Turkey in Istanbul, sitting here on this bench, you have navigated and again, found this place that I found on my own. Nobody helped me, but you've done the research to find this place. And you're now sitting here on the side of this water on this most beautiful day, eating baklava. Whose fucking life is this? Like, who are you? And the trip wasn't even an expensive trip, like everything that I put together. So it wasn't about like, you know, we start to tell ourselves stories that, oh, I could never do this or this would be too expensive. But being able to see myself literally go from step A to B to C, it was in Turkey where I realized how much I love history. I didn't know myself as a history buff at all. And maybe I won't say buff because I don't know all the ins and outs of history. But one of the things that I love to do is to go to museums that are not necessarily fine art museums. Art can be okay if it's a specific type, but what I really love is museums that tell about a place's history and they have stories and artifacts and things to see. And so going to the Basilica Cistern and you see the ancient ways that they were using to get water to people, it's fucking incredible. You're climbing, you know, going down these stairs all the way underneath the city and seeing how they were moving water. I mean, my mind was just blown going to the Hagia Sophia. And I remember coming up the little, they weren't stairs, but it was like a little thing that it turns around, but it takes you up a level each time. I don't know what you call that. Kind of like a turnstile, but not, but whatever you call it. It's like this little thing that you basically go to the second floor and you just walk around in circles to get up. And the whole thing was made of stone. The floor was made of stone, the walls and everything. And as I was walking up there, I was running my hand across the wall. And it's just like, 
do you know how many people have touched this thing? How many people have built this thing? This place has been in existence since the 1200s. I had never seen anything like that in my life before. There's nothing that exists in our country that's that old, right? So it's really cool to like, wow, you are really walking and sitting in living history. And again, tying to this like deep, watery Pisces, deep spirituality thread that I have. I'm like, oh, this is that connectedness that I love. Somebody has done this thing thousands and thousands of years before what it has taken for them to make this fucking majestic masterpiece of a, I think it was originally a mosque, then a cathedral. Then they turned it back into a mosque again and seeing what it has taken to create this thing. This is insane. Like, wow, I'm blown away. I didn't know that part of myself before I embarked on this trip and embarked on this experience and did all of the things, walking around, tasting the foods, talking to the people. I remember getting lost on a corner. Well, I wasn't lost, but I was actually trying to get home and get a taxi back. And I had written the address on a piece of paper and I'm trying to pronounce it to them. And the taxi drivers are like, girl, I don't know what you're trying to speak, but it ain't Turkish because your pronunciation is off. And so I keep trying and the guy doesn't understand. And I think maybe I actually didn't have it written down. I knew what it was in my head. So I was trying to tell him and he's like, yeah, this ain't working. And so I tried with like two other taxi drivers and both of them were like, I don't know what you're saying. So I was sitting on the corner of this kind of busy street and I'm looking at my phone and I remember, I think I was trying to pull something up and I remember saying like, okay, what are you going to do now? Because you're standing out here and you look like a target. You need to not be standing on the street with your black ass. You already stand out and look like you don't know what you're doing. And so it was there that it just, boom, popped up in my mind. Go find a hotel. Go to a hotel. Go sit in there. You can get your bearings, figure out what you need to do next. And so I ended up finding a hotel not too far away, sat down, did that, ended up talking to one of the concierge people and was telling him and he and I kind of hit it off. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll get you a taxi. I'll put you in a taxi from here. And hey, if you're ever out and you're over here, you want to go sightseeing and you do stuff, if you need a taxi or you need some help, come in here. You know, here's my name. Here's my number. Call me. Let me know what you need. Pop in the hotel. I'll help you. And he became just kind of a point of contact of like another person that, oh, when I was over in that area, pop in, see him, you know, hey, can you get me a taxi? Or hey, I went to go do this and that. Or he'd be like, oh, do you want to go get lunch together? So all of these things that, again, experiences I never, ever would have had at home. And the whole way I was sharing these stories on social media. So then people start asking me, like, wow, I want to travel the way you're traveling and I want to do what you're doing. Oh, I'd love to come on a trip with you. And for the longest time, I was not open to it because my thing was people are so picky. My experience is people are picky as shit. They don't want to eat avocados because they're green. They need to be connected to Wi-Fi all the time. They've got to stay in this hotel with this amenity and all these things. And I realized from Turkey, that's not the way I like to travel. Yes, I want to be comfortable, but I want to be out in the world. I want to get an idea of what it feels like to live in this place. So I was so against it. And then all of a sudden, one day, I could just kind of hear God saying, okay, I know that you're against it, but instead of being so resistant, what would it look like if you were open to this thing? If you were to do it, what would it look like? And the question became, what people are really wanting is what I experience in Turkey or what I've experienced in a certain way in Bali because it's not the typical influencer holiday. I'm not in my, you know, best clothes, taking posed pictures, telling you about how I'm living my life. Like I'm out in the street and talking about the woman that I met from Spelman at the train station because she couldn't figure out in Turkey how to get a ticket for the train. 
And because I had been there a couple of days, you know, I think I'm a pro. I think I know everything about Turkey now. So I walk up to her and I'm like, hey, do you need some help? And she's like, yeah, I do. We start talking, come to find out she graduated from Spelman in the 70s. I went to Spelman. And so like, oh, you know, we stayed connected for years. We're actually still connected to this day. We met back up at homecoming. All of these different things, again, that happen, me being abroad. And so these are the things that people are liking and attaching to with my experience. How do I recreate that for you? And so my first thing was, we need to be somewhere that would bring Turkey to you without me having to take you to Turkey. And for some reason, the first place that popped up was Morocco. And it's so odd because I had never been there before. I don't even think I knew anybody who had gone to Marrakesh at that point, but I was super, super clear that Marrakesh was the place to be. And so I put this retreat together and it sold out in 48 hours. And since then, we've been rocking and rolling outside of the pandemic. And so, you know, like I said, when people ask me about why Morocco, Morocco is such an amazing place. And there's so many reasons I can tell you why. But the most important thing is how we got here. We got here from me taking this trip that allowed me to let go of who I thought I was and everything that I thought I was. Let go of who you are. Let go of who you think you are so you can open up to who you are here to become. And it constantly made me start thinking, hmm, how many things are we missing out on because we think we already know who we are, because we think we already know what we're here to do, what we're here to be. We've already decided what God has for us. We're already deciding when we want to get married, who we're going to get married to, how it's supposed to look, what our relationship is supposed to look like. And what if God is like, actually, there's all these parts of you, all of these doors over here that you haven't even opened because you keep showing up in the same environments and you keep doing the same things. So what I wanted to create with the retreats was an opportunity for you to get out of your everyday environment and put you in a place where things could be new again. You could feel like you were five again. You know, think about kids when they're little. Everything is fucking fascinating. The sky is blue. Purple ice cream is fascinating. You mean everything. If they see the color purple, if they see something that's got food dye in it, if they see neon colors, they're fascinated by everything because the world is new for them. So it's like, okay, I want to take women to a place where the world can be new for them again. And for me, that ended up being Morocco. And I have just loved Marrakesh. I mean, I feel like there are, it's such a magical for sure and mystical place. I mean, of course, the you know, you see the beautiful photos of the souks and people selling spices and all of the like amazing handicrafts and things that people make with their hands. They're having your own handmade shoes and earrings and clothes and, you know, painted things and the woodworking. I mean, it's mind blowing and incredible to actually watch people make these things with your hands. Again, where we are here in the States, you really don't see this kind of work anymore. So that's really incredible. And then there's the experience of the food and the language and the religion and the culture and seeing how the religion is so tied to the culture. And I love being out in the souks and in the Medina and in the city and being able to hear the call of prayer five times a day. And it's like, no matter what, people are orienting their life around this. And it's not something that there might be moss in your neighborhood where you are, but you don't hear the call of prayer out anywhere in our neighborhoods. That's not something that we do. It's not acceptable in our country. And so it, again, is really cool to see what you think about. For me, when I hear that five times a day prayer when I'm up, it's just kind of a reminder for me to just like a little thank God prayer that I say to myself. Like it's a little reminder for me too of like what I believe and how I orient myself to God. I take those moments of the call to prayer to check in with myself and to say a quick, like I said, a quick 
note of thanks and gratitude to God for being in the space that I'm in and love the way the language is. And I always use the example of, you know, traveling to Spain and traveling different places and hearing how our language here is really very flat in so many ways. Like things are translated. There's not, you know, it's different to say I'm enamored with you versus, you know, I love you or I'm in love with you. And being in Marrakesh, one of the things that I love and I always talk about is, you know, here we only have a way to say you're welcome, which is you're welcome or no problem or all good. But in Marrakesh, there are a couple of different ways or in Moroccan Arabic, there's a couple of different ways. And one of the ways that I love the most is la shukrana la wajib, which is basically translates to no thanks for a duty. You don't have to thank me for something that is my duty. And that is always so touching every time I hear it because it's almost, you know, again, think about what the person is saying. Yes, you may have done something for me, but I don't need your, or I may have done something for you, but you don't need to thank me. Doing this for you is my duty. It's my pleasure. I'm more than happy to do it for you. And you don't hear it all the time, but it's definitely used in certain environments. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things that I love to hear. And again, here, we don't have anything that's the equivalent of it. So it's really just interesting to see, again, the way religion and food and culture and language and craftsmanship and community and even the hammam, which is something that I love. Like, we don't have those things here. Yes, you can go to a Korean spa. If you're in Atlanta, people may talk about Jeju. And it's not, to me, quite the same experience. I don't think about the hammam in Morocco as a spa. I think about what a ritualistic experience it is to be washed and bathed by another woman we have not had that experience in the West probably since whenever you stopped getting in the bathtub and somebody was bathing you as a child, six, seven, eight years old, something like that, probably not even eight. So it's like, oh, this is such a beautiful thing to be taken care of in this nurturing way by another woman. That's not something that I get to experience at home. And these are the types of things that I have, listening to the call of prayer, seeing how things are made, hearing how the language is used and how people come together as a community to help each other paying attention to the way spices are used in ways that I would never use at home. These are the things that constantly expand me. These are the ways that help me to become more Deka. I'm seeing things and I get aroused and excited by them. And I'm like, ooh, I want to experience more of this. Ooh, I want to go to a place where I can learn more about this, dive into this deeper. And these are the environments that I love to create with the retreats because it is a little bit of the best of both worlds. It's like you have the new city of Galiz and you can see the Louis Vuitton and all the H&M and all of the regular stores that you have, but then also going to the Medina, which is this UNESCO World Heritage Site and having a step back in time and staying in a Riyadh, which is this Islamic style of architecture, a home that everything is built around a center courtyard and all the windows face in. So... It's interesting when you're walking through the Medina and realizing that you never know what's behind any of these doors. Everything looks nondescript and like you can't even tell that there are houses here, but you walk in and you walk into this like breathtaking place where you just look up and it's open all the way to the sky. We don't have Riyadh's here in the state. So these are all of the things that when I think about people asking me why Morocco and I think about how Morocco, I intentionally chose this place that would bring some of the energy and the massive transformation that I experienced in Turkey to you in a guided place where I have highly curated this experience that lets you step away from your routine and your everyday life. And again, go meet the version of you that you don't know is waiting on the other side of your routine. 
on the other side of the old stories, on the other side of the stories that you've had about yourself, about who you've been, that other people have had about you, about who you've been, on the other side of all the identities that you may hold here, wife, mother, CEO, boss, business owner, employee, whatever it is. And of course, you'll not stop being a wife or a mother or any of those things when you go, but it's just disconnecting from the things that are tethering you down to open up and see, hmm, what else is here for me? So this is the why behind Morocco. And for the May trip, like I said, our first trip starting in the spring is coming pretty soon. So for the May trip, that's May 11th through 17th, the cutoff is actually March 30th. And then for the June trip, that is June 3rd through 9th, the cutoff and final day is April 25th or whenever it's sold out for both of them or whenever they're sold out. So if this is something that you think you are interested in and you look around and you're like, I'm at a point in my life where this is the kind of thing I want to experience. I want to step into the unknown. And again, I think about myself with Istanbul. I didn't know what was waiting there. I didn't have a plan, but I was clear that something was calling me. And so it's like, if you know this is the next breadcrumb where you are on your journey, I would love to invite you and I'd love to have you. And there will be a link to the website in my show notes. So you can click the link and find out about it. And then the the flexible payment plans as well. We also have a partnership with the firm if that's something that feels good for you to do. And yeah, I'd love you to come and join me getting back out into the world. And yeah, starting out this new year after two years being in the pandemic, seeing what else is waiting for you.